Hi, and welcome to episode four of the St. Fran Valley Schools ELA cast. For this episode, I got to sit down with coordinator of priority programs, Patrick Kilcullen, who had some ideas for how schools facing shifting demographics might start to think about where students want to go and help them get there. Sit back and enjoy. Hi, who are you? Hey, Zach, I'm Patrick Kilcullen, priority programs coordinator at St. Brain Valley Schools. Wow, you anticipate things really well. Uh, Patrick, one of the questions, uh, one of the things I hear a lot in many of our schools, kind of due to our growth and I think probably the strength, is, oh, our school is dealing with a shifting demographic, Mm -hmm. Um, right? So some schools that have probably been pretty settled as communities that have been here for kind of some generations um, are finding there's some folks moving in. And so with any kind of shift like that, you've got more kind of diverse needs. So my question for you is what questions would you like teachers and teams and schools to start asking as they recognize, oh, the the needs of, of kind of the, the, students we've been serving in the past generations are different than the needs of kind of some of the students we have today. What are some questions they should start asking? I think for any given group of kids is what are your goals with your education and trying to set that groundwork that um, whether it's elementary, middle, or high school, what are their dreams, what are their aspirations? and then backfilling from there. So um, I think one tool that we have in, in the district is the, is the ICAP, and I'm hoping that that kind of moves more into the classroom and family realm uh, than it has been in the past, uh, because that's a great way for teachers to tap into their kids' interests, and then how those interests are related to um, college and career goals, possibly how their interests um, will determine what pathway into high school they take, whether that's a program like uh, P-TECH, like the biomedical program at Longmont High, about uh, something involving the brand new innovation center. So I feel like there's some untapped resources. Um, So if I'm a teacher and I want to use this resource, how do I go about doing that, accessing it? bringing it into my classroom? I think the best person to reach out to would be the counselor in the building because that's been uh, one of their, one of the many roles of a counselor is to um, get students into the, um, whether it's college, college in Colorado or the Naviance program uh, to, to work on those ICAPs, uh, typically starting in middle school, but now we also see it coming down to the elementary school. And I think really that's where we need to start. If we're waiting to middle and high school to have kids think about their dreams and how those dreams relate to a career and how uh, that, um, you know, what academic pathway they need to take to achieve those dreams. Uh, we can't wait to until middle or high school. It's got to start early. And parents need to be a part of that conversation. Parents need to be exposed to these same uh, interest surveys and, and passions that uh, the kids are. And so you're talking about, I think, also a shift for teachers right because uh, it's been very easy to say well I have to teach this stuff yep. uh, right and the conversation is often I'm getting you prepared either for the next grade or I did this I know when I was a middle school teacher well you're gonna need this in high school as the kind of justification right. um, and it sounds like what you're saying is help kids tune into what is it I'm interested in where is it I want to go and then as a teacher my shift is how do I help 
kids see what I'm asking them to learn about in my classroom as connected to what they want for themselves. Exactly. That, is that what, and that's a tough shift to make, right? Like, because mm -hmm. that's not, that's not what we, I think, traditionally have done in American, like, education as a whole over right. the last 150, 200 years. It's been kind of, you need this. Don't trust us. You need this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what you're saying is, what is it you want? Here's the stuff we've got to get through. Mm -hmm. um, and, but rather than just saying, we've got to get through this stuff, really pausing and saying, how is this connected to what this group of human beings in front of me wants to do with their lives? Exactly. And I think it's um, maybe a bit more challenging at the middle or high school level where you have, um, you know, a traditional uh, schedule across content areas um, to get to know kids and their passions and how these different content areas and standards are going to support this kid and his or her passions. It takes a lot of planning. It takes to, you know, whether that's grade level planning, department level planning, or vertical planning across the school. Um, we need to be having conversations as professionals about how, what is our role in supporting the passions of kids and how do the standards, how do the unit plans, how does the um, individual um, remediation, intervention um, support that kid's pathway. Well, and I think it's also uh, handing it back to the students and having them reflect on some of those connections. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of no matter what your discipline or subject area, at the end of the week or once or twice during a week saying, how is what we're learning about? How might it be helpful? Right? right? And like, not is this or is this not helpful to your path? Mm -hmm. But how might this? Let's, let's assume that everything we're doing could be used somehow to help you move toward a piece, right? So, and I'm, and I'm thinking about, you know, the student who's in Algebra 2 who says, I want to be a dancer. Mm -hmm. um, and, and scaffolding it, so it's, it's, let's assume that Algebra 2 could be helpful to dance. Mm -hmm. How might this, how might they, and asking kids to draw those connections too, right? So it's not just, right, because right, I don't want a teacher to hear this and think, well, I've got 32 kids and I need to think about their 32 dreams and I need to make <laughs> each of my, you know, 180 lesson lessons connected to, yeah. Uh, right. But bringing students in to ask those questions too, and and kind of uh, and and thinking about cross disciplinary, right? So yes. I'm thinking as a, as an English teacher, um, knowing that my students in middle or high school have a full, you know, schedule, mm -hmm. um, stopping and saying, all right, how pick a subject you, where you would think like here's the challenge, here's the puzzle to be solved. How is what you're doing in anatomy? connected to your dream of being a computer programmer or, mm -hmm. you know, being the first in your family to go to college or wh whatever those dreams are. Yeah. Um, what other resources would you say that for a teacher, right? So kind of this is a piece of that inventory that helping the students kind of express those pieces. What might I do as a classroom teacher who's like, I don't, I've never thought about these things this way before. What, like, is, are there kind of practices you would recommend? Are there resources? Are there people in the district they should talk to? Any of those things? Yeah, I think our content coordinators, um, the, the, the learning leaders that we have uh, here at the Learning Service Center um, are great resources. They meet regularly and talk about these cross-content um, uh, cross um, focus um, cross-content um, 
planning mm -hmm. and, and, and how um, they can support schools um, where they are, both content-wise, technology-wise. Uh, so I think we certainly do have um, awesome resources as a district. Um, I think principals as leaders at the buildings need to um, set aside the time mm -hmm. for that team planning, for that vertical planning, and honor that time. I think some of the best learnings we've seen in, in the, the buildings are, are when teachers have um, designated times that are, are you know, not open-ended, but really focused around learning from each other right. uh, with, with kids at the center. Um, well, I, I would I would add to that kind of thinking about how can we be creative about some of the offerings through OPD, um, specifically mm -hmm. thinking at a professional study team. What does it look like to say we're going to set up this and really investigate how we can all work together as a team? Mm -hmm. So if that's not built into my schedule um, at the beginning of the year, how can I still carve out some time? Yes, um, and and get that piece done. I also think about it as a kind of somebody who comes out of an English classroom. I would very frequently, if I had students who were very science-minded, um, they would very most frequently be like, oh, man, I just, what do I have to write? I'm going to be, you know, whatever. Uh, and so I would walk across the hall to the biochemistry teacher and say, hey, we both have this student. Mm -hmm. He wants to be this. Help me understand what this career or profession, what writing looks like there so that I could think about how I might create some pathways, right? And I'm not saying that student gets their own individual assignment, mm -hmm. um, but just those kind of informal conversations too, right? For so sure. that structured space is incredibly important, but that informal space is also a place that can then help people get to where they're gonna get. What, what is the thing you would say don't do? <laughs> uh, right, because these are these are pathways. But what are some things that kind of well-meaning individuals do sometimes that kind of cut off the ability to support um, shifting demographics within their school? Um, I think we need to get beyond the one-size-fits-all um, model. Uh, especially, you know, myself as a former high school teacher, I felt like um, there wasn't a lot of options. Um, for, for kids with diverse needs. I think we have to have high expectations for every kids. Uh, so don't um, make assumptions, first of all, uh, based on a student's background, based on a student's given academic record, or based on a student's test score. Um, we really need to get to know the kids and find out you know, if they're defiant, if they're not attending, if they're ditching class. Let's dig in and find out why. Mm -hmm. What is the reason um, for that? Um, and oftentimes it can be school as trauma, right? Mm -hmm. So they m may get to us and we want to think, oh, the home life or the family. But it's really kind of, oh, this has just gotten piled on and piled on. Correct. As people haven't done that. Right. Right. In previous years, they may have just had a succession of teachers who, who said, oh, you've got so-and-so in your class. She's real, you know, she's real defiant. And then yeah. that that becomes the piece as well. I think we've come a long way as a district in raising the bar, and, and that shows in our grad rate. If you look back 10 years ago, 2006, we were at 53% uh, Hispanic grad rate. We're now at about 73% uh, in, in 10 years, and that is good. However, um, white graduation rate is 90%, uh, and so there's still uh, 
still a gap there. Um, well, and who wants to say which of which student out of these four are we going to go ahead and say it's okay if you don't make it all the way through? Right, right. And keep in mind that is a four-year grad rate, and so our dropout rate has gone down as well. But it, it is also you know um, twice as high for Hispanic kids as it is for uh, for white kids in our school. So um, there's a report that just came out today called Colorado Rises by the Colorado High, Higher Ed um, found group out of Colorado Higher Education Association uh, out of CDE. Um, and the alarming statistic was 29% of our Hispanic high school graduation, uh, sorry, 29% of our high school graduates who are Hispanic or identify as Hispanic uh, go on to complete uh, a post-secondary uh, degree or certificate, 29% versus 63% uh, of our white kids. And that's across Colorado, not St. Brandon in particular, but uh, to me that raises the next question. Okay, if we're graduating kids, great. If we're closing the achievement gap in terms of grad rate, great. What kind of post-secondary opportunities um, do these kids have as graduates? Well, in the conversation, because I hear people push back on the words college and career ready, mm-hmm. uh, and that doesn't mean, oh, we think every student has to go to college, For sure. uh, but it means that that pathway should be open. That should to be every an opportunity. Student, right? a, a diploma from St. Brain should mean that if, you, if this is the path you want to take, then you should, be, you should have that open to you. I also want to go to the kind of raising the standards piece that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. I think of it as kind of one of those, men, those mazes that you had on a kid's venue when you were growing up, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, the expectation, that raised expectation is the center of that maze. And thinking of every student as having a pathway, right? Mm-hmm. They're all starting at a different part of the maze. Yeah. Um, but the, so long as they get to the middle, in our class, as long, as long as they get to that piece of achievement, that piece of learning that we're going for, it becomes less important if they get there through the pathway that you would have taken or I would have taken. Uh, but it's kind of, oh, you learned it that way, but you learned it. Right. And that, I think that's a shift in the conversation too. It's yep. kind of like, well, you have to learn it in this series of steps. And the students saying, well, that doesn't make as much sense to me, but I'll st- still get to where I need to, need to be that then connects to who I want to become kind of after this or, or further on down the road. Right, and I think that speaks to framing this not as an achievement gap, but as an opportunity gap. Mm-hmm. And I think we're closing that. I think we're providing more opportunity to more kids. Uh, we've seen that in terms of the investment we've made with the Race to the Top, uh, ensuring that all of our Title I schools have access to great facilities, great technology, great teaching. Um, and I, I, I believe uh, I've seen in my time here, this is my 16th, 17th year in St. Brain Valley Schools, biggest shift I've seen is that um, the expectation is that all kids can achieve. And, and Don is really um, focused on all means all. Uh, and I, I see that in the fact that we've gotten away from um, tracking in, in a sense that, that the expectation is that all kids have access to great tier one instruction. Mm-hmm. And we see a mindset now with our classroom teachers at the elementary school and our content teachers at middle and high school that um, this instruction is valuable, it's important. And there isn't any magic intervention program that's going to quote unquote fix these deficits. These kids need to be with me right. and I need to help them achieve these standards as the professional in the room. Correct. Right. And I think that's the other piece too. I'd say that part of that shift is helping teachers 
uh, be seen as professionals who, who know how to make these instructional decisions mm-hmm. and then making sure they have the resources and the capacity to, to do that. I'd like what you said also about kind of an opportunity gap and to the beginning of our conversation, asking students what opportunities they would like to have, mm-hmm. um, right? So it's not you have to have the opportunities I'm setting out for you. But what do you Correct. want to have open to you down the road? And how do I make sure as a teacher mm-hmm. that I help you see what we're doing today as connected to, to moving toward that? Right. And, and the path that they select themselves is, is going to change. Uh, certainly, I don't want to propose that a, a student picks a career in fifth grade and sticks with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe he or she does, and, and that's great. But we learn as we go. Uh, and so that you know, the, the more kids are exposed to, uh, the more opportunities they see. Uh, that that pathway is going to shift and bend and grow uh, along the way, and so that's something as you know, professionals we need to be cognizant of as well. How can we continue to build on uh, exposure to careers, on exposure to mentors, um, on exposure to culture and language, um, both in our community and outside of our community? Great, Patrick. Thank you very much. Uh, if somebody hears this and wants to kind of find out more or reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get into contact with you? Uh, email kilcullen underscore patrick at svvsd.org. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Zach. Special thanks to Patrick Kilcullen for sitting down with me for this episode. As always, if you're interested in learning more about language arts in St. Braid Valley Schools, you can find us on Twitter at SVBSDLA or on our blog at blogs.svbsd.org slash language arts. Thanks. See you next time.